0: Well, this morning we are in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we are looking at marriage uh, this morning. Uh, we have uh, been in chapter 3 for a little while now, and uh, Paul has been addressing responsibilities for Christians, how we are to live our lives as kingdom citizens. And we've been looking at the the clothing that we're not to wear, the dead men's clothes that uh, we were born in, those are clothes that we have to discard as believers in Christ, and there are new clothes to uh, put on. And uh, in all of that, the most important piece of clothing is the love of Christ, is to rule and reign in our lives and our hearts. And so we've been looking at individual responsibilities. Now Paul is going to um, share with us how this is to be uh, play out in other aspects of our lives, in our relationships with others. And the first place he goes to is the home. And uh, Paul, who is a single person... Uh, never been married, understands how important our relationship with Christ is to impact one's marriage relationship. And so he has some words for the husband and wife this morning. Now, uh, when Paul was conveying these words in verses 18 and 19, it was very controversial Now, it wasn't controversial in verse 18. Verse 18 was a way of life for the women. But it was very controversial in verse 19, where Paul was conveying to the husbands that they were to love their wives. If you were a man in this context, in the Roman world, you had it made. You were at the top of the food chain. Uh, you ruled the roost. And whatever you said went. It, it, it went. Um, take for example, if a man wanted to divorce his wife, all he had to say was, I don't want to be with you any longer. And he would be granted the power of divorce. The wife did not have that option. If the wife were to get pregnant and have a baby, it was the wife's responsibility to be, bring the, the baby before the husband, to set the child before the husband. And if the, if, if the man did not want the baby, he merely had to walk away from that baby, that relationship, and wife was there to bear, to raise this child on her own. I mean, he was at the top. Even in the culture of that day, the, the houses that were built uh, reflected the dominating relationship men had over women. If it was a single-story house... Um, the men the, the women and the children were confined to uh, living under the roof, but the man uh, he had the opportunity to uh, to be on the, the the rooftop, and that was kind of his man cave and women the wife or the children were not allowed to go onto the rooftop if it was a two story dwelling the man would live upstairs and uh, the women and children wife and kids couldn't go upstairs the man could come downstairs but uh, meals would be served to him upstairs and it was just this domineering relationship this is the context to whom Paul is writing to in the first century. And so what he's about to say to the men is a powder egg. I mean, this is something that uh, was revolutionary to uh, the men in this day. This is not something that was conveyed to men. But Christianity was having a new influence over society, over culture in that day. And so I just want you to understand that uh, when Paul shares these words, it was controversial for one group, but not controversial for another group. Now, why am I dwelling so much on this right now? because uh, I want to uh, deploy the airbag before I hit the wall here in verse 18, okay? Um, so with that in mind, uh, I want us to look at uh, verses 18 and 19. Paul says this to the wife. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. We're just going to camp on those two verses this morning. Now, what I want you to understand when it comes to leadership and headship in the home, uh, throughout the Bible, you will see, you will find singular headship. There, there, there is a person in authority. And uh, the where we find that first of all, first and foremost, is in the Trinity. When it comes to the Trinity, there is a singular headship. There is one God, and in that Godhead, there is um, in that Godhead there is equality of perfections, unity of will, and oneness of operations. Uh, there's one nature, there's, there's one God who shares all these unique natures and characteristics. But in that Godhead, there are three persons, and there is a plurality in the Trinity of leadership. You see God the Father. God the Father determines, uh, the, God's sovereign will is determined through God the Father. God the Son, through obedience to God the Father, makes atonement for the Father's will. And God the Holy Spirit, through spiritual gifts, provides the resources for growing in personal communion with God. And so here we have the God the Father... And then God the Son is beneath him, obedient to to the will of the Father. And then God the Holy Spirit, who is there to serve and glorify both God the Father and God the Son. So there's singular headship. There's only one God. But there is a plurality of leadership. And here we see the Trinity is working in unity And in love with one another. And this was Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. That we would be unified. That we would love one another. This is what Jesus prayed in verses 21 and 22. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. And so we see this this headship, this singular headship, not only in the Trinity, but we see singular headship in all of culture. We see it in government, there being presidents. We see it in in businesses with with uh, CEOs. Um, we see it in education with uh, presidents and principals. There is a singular head, but there is a plurality of leadership, and that is the case in the home as well. When we hear Paul, when we hear Paul say, wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands, yes, there is an order in the home. God has put man over woman for order. But that doesn't mean that the husband is to dominate or rule over his wife. There is a unity. There is a plurality of leadership. There is a working together that needs to occur in that home. That wasn't taking place in the first century. When Paul wrote to the wives in verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands, that was a way of life. That wasn't anything new to them. What was controversial was husbands loving your wives. But how 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 that has changed today. You know, when we hear husbands love your wives, that's a way of life today. That's something that we're familiar with and we need to do as husbands. But wives submit to your husbands. Boy, that is controversial. But God has designed that, God has created that, so that there can be order in the home. And I want to flesh that out this morning as to how this is to play out. Wives, submit to your husbands, verse 18, as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, to truly understand that, we need to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, Paul elaborates a little bit more to the church at Ephesus. Um, And we're familiar with verses 22 through 33 of Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to start with verse 18. Um, Verse 18 is really important in applying verses 22 through 33. And it says this in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God needs to be filling both the husband and wife's lives. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Boy, that sounds a lot like Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence. For Christ. So, even in a husband and re- wife relationship, it's not just the wife submitting to the husband, but there needs to be a mutual submission to one another. So, verse 22, "...Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior." Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything, to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. And we won't go on. But there is a mutual Responsibility. Wives are to submit to the husband, and the husband is to love his wife. And if the husband is fulfilling his role as the head in loving, in sacrificing for his li- wife as Christ did for the church, guess what? It's going to be a whole lot easier for the wife to submit to the husband. But there needs to be a mutual submission. Now, in Paul saying that wives are to submit to the husband and husbands are over the wives, that doesn't mean, wives, that you are inferior to your husband. You are, you are equal in the eyes of God. There is, <clears throat> you are of, of the same value and worth in the eyes of God as man is to God, and in fact, women there are things there's areas of your life that you are far superior at doing than men can, and areas that you 're far smarter than your husband and uh, and that 's true in my family. Just ask my kids does See who's superior in in several areas. So that doesn't mean that you are inferior when Paul says wives submit to your husbands. You are of equal worth and value. Now in submitting to your husband, that doesn't mean that you have to obey everything he says. If your husband is asking you or demanding that you do something that violates the word of God, you don't have to obey him. The key to this passage here in verse 18, as unto the Lord. If the Lord wouldn't have you do something that your husband is wanting you to do or demanding you to do, You don't have to do that. So it's not being submissive in every area, but it's as unto the Lord. But again in being equal in worth and value and voluntarily, voluntarily placing yourself under the authority of your husband doesn't make you less than who you are. You are created in the image of God and what, What the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. So, what does submission mean? Well, look at verse 33 of Ephesians chapter 5 verse thirty three says however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. An important area of submitting to your husband' wives is respecting his role; he desires. Your respect. You desire him to love you. He desires that you respect him. That doesn't mean you call him Lord or anything like that. But you honor his role. You appreciate what he does. He desires this of you. And so that's one way of reflecting this submission. But again, don't hear Paul say that you are inferior to your husband or women are inferior to men. And let me say this too, when it comes to uh, wives submitting to your husband, this has to do with the home. This doesn't have to do with uh, culture, society in general. Women are fully capable of leading businesses, uh, corporations, uh, just this, just this last week, uh, there was a woman who was the first, uh, president of the New York Stock Exchange. Women have the capability, women have the ability, the opportunity to do those things. And so when you talk, when we look at women being submissive to men, this is in the home. This is also in the church. You won't find, uh, Paul is very clear in the New Testament that when it comes to the leadership of the church, that the, the church is to be led by elders. And an elder is to be a man. Now, that doesn't mean that women have very little to offer in the life of the church. <laughs> don't let me, don't. Don't hear me say that because, ladies, you are so important to the life of the church. And you are fully capable of leading many areas of ministry and do lead many areas of ministry in this church. But the Bible is clear when it comes to leading the church it is to be the man or the plurality of men leading a church. And that's what we have here at Emmanuel. We have elders in our church. And uh, if there is to be a leader among leaders, a leader among equals, that would be me as the pastor of this church. But when we come together as elders um, in order to make decisions in our church, uh, there has to be a unity um, in the decisions that we're being made. If we're divided, um, we just set that off to the side for a period of time until God does give us unity. This is what, how we believe God would have um, our church be led. So, but but Paul is referring to the home here and wives being submissive to their husbands. Now, let's look at the man's responsibility. And can we turn the air on because it's getting hot in here. (laughs) Thank you. Verse 19, Colossians chapter 3. Father, or no, that's next week. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Again, this was the highly controversial subject that Paul was addressing in this context with these people. Husbands, love your wives. That was a foreign concept to them. Because women, children were like property. They had no rights. And yet Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, no, husband, you have a responsibility to love them. And it's not just love them sexually sexually. Or as a friend, no, you are to agape them. And that means to love them unconditionally. No matter how they treat you, you are to love them unconditionally. That is your responsibility as a husband. And again, this this idea of love, is to be the foundation, the cornerstone of relationships, of families, of the Christian life. Love. Look at First John chapter 4. I think in your outline you have verses 9 and 10, but it's actually 11 and 12, and it's on the screen. It says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Is there another verse? Is that it? Okay. His love has been made complete in us, according to the NIV. Husbands, we have the responsibility to model that as men. Paul tells us to love. And not only are we to agape our wives, but he goes on to say, do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with him. In other words, there is to be no abuse whatsoever, whether it be physical, emotional or spiritual in the marriage relationship that means guys that we can't keep quoting colossians chapter 3 verse 18 and say wives submit that's your role. That is your responsibility. And beat them over the head with that so that we get our way. That is an abuse of your authority. Paul says, agape your wife and do not treat them harshly. In other words, we need to cherish our wife. Look at First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I don't believe it's in your outline this morning. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You know, it's interesting. Peter, he talks about wives and husbands. He has uh, six verses for the wives and one verse for the husband. Well, I just want to look at the verse 7 at the moment. He says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. You need to, you need to cherish her. Treat her tenderly. Again, you've heard me say this before. She is like fine china. You know, Peter says she's the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean she's inferior, or she's less smart, or she's she's just fragile. She's emotional. You have been called to be her protector, her provider. And you need to treat her like fine china. Cherish her. Love her. Men, this is your responsibility. And this was so radical to this church in Colossae. Because women and children were treated like trash, discarded if they didn't want them anymore. And the New Testament is elevating the role of women. In conveying to men just how important and vital they are to the home and society and the church. And guys, we have a responsibility to protect them and not abuse them, not treat them harshly. And our culture today is learning this. You know, this isn't just a principle for the Christian home or the church. This is a principle for all of society. And this is very much an issue today. And we've been seeing this played out over the last 18 months with the Me Too movement. I mean, there are secular organizations and institutions and media outlets in Hollywood, and they are cleaning house. And men who have been abusive towards uh, women in lots of different areas, but primarily sexually, are now being called out. And there is a zero-tolerance policy that is taking shape among all of our secular organizations. And unfortunately for the church... They've been slow in coming to dance. Now I know that we are out here on the West Coast. We're a Southern Baptist church and and uh, maybe you're not familiar with all the different news stories that have been going on in our um, national convention and uh, in one of our Uh, Seminaries in particular, Southwestern Seminary. But this is a very hot topic among Southern Baptists. And there is a day of reckoning that is about to occur in the Southern Baptist Convention with the Me Too movement. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but, uh, there is a seminary pre- uh, president, Southwestern Seminary, who resigned this week. Now, if he hadn't resigned, uh, he would have been fired. But, uh, he has, he has done things over the last 30 years or more where he has, he has protected men and not protected the wives or the children. He has allowed things to to occur and has told women to be silent and forgive and hope that it would just go away. And it's only been recently that it has come to life, life publicly and it has been a in newspapers across the country. And Southern Baptists have got a really big black eye right now. I want to read to you what um, Al Mohler, uh said concerning this issue. He said, Sexual misconduct is as old as sin, but the avalanche of sexual misconduct that has come to light in recent weeks is almost, almost too much to bear. These grievous revelations of sin have occurred in churches, in denominational ministries, and even in our seminaries. When people said that evangelicals had a similar crisis coming, it did not seem plausible, even to me. I have been president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for 25 years. I did not see this coming. He goes on to say, God has a steadfast and unyielding concern for the abused, the threatened, the suffering, and the fearful. There is no excuse whatsoever for abuse of any form, verbal, emotional, physical, spiritual, or sexual. The Bible warns so clearly that those who would abuse power and weaponize authority... Every Christian church and every pastor and every church member must be ready to protect any of God's children threatened by abuse and must hold every abuser fully accountable. The church and any institution of, or ministry serving the church must be ready to assure safety and support to any woman or child or vul- vulnerable one threatened by abuse. This principle of not treating women harshly, wives harshly, is not just a principle for the home but it's a principle for all of culture men don't treat your wives harshly treat them tenderly as fine china i like what david ute david ute is the pastor at first baptist church of orlando was Talking about this passage of scripture, wives submit to your husbands, husband love your wives. How is this to be played out in a marriage relationship? Again, there is order. There has to be a head. Just like Christ is over the the church, there is a singular headship. There needs to be a head of the home. And that's a husband. But when it comes to the husband and wife working together, there needs to be a plurality of leadership. There needs to be a working together of one another. And he illustrated it by um, the slow dance. Now, I'm a Baptist, okay? I, I have slow dance on occasion with my wife and, uh, it's, it's not necessarily pretty because I have no rhythm. But he describes a slow dance as when a couple is dancing together, there, there is a leader of that, of that dance between the husband and wife. And it needs to be the husband. And as the husband is leading this slow dance, the wife is just synchronized with his movement. You can't really tell from the outside who's leading. But if you were in that slow dance as a couple, you know that there is one who's leading and another who's following. And that's the picture of marriage relationship. Yes, the husband is the head. And the wife is to submit to the husband's authority, but there is a mutual submission of one another and there's a cooperation, there's a love on the husband's, husband's part in protecting his wife and loving her unconditionally and there's a wife who, who receives that love and respects who he is as a leader of that home and there's a cooperation. That's what Paul is saying here. And so men and women, if you want a uh, a successful marriage relationship, we need to go back and we need to or, or adorn ourselves with the clothing that Paul tells us to, to put on in Colossians chapter 3. Look at verses 12 through 14 again. Put on, then, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This isn't just a woman's responsibility. This is a man's responsibility. We are all to wear this clothing. And maybe you're a man here and you're thinking to yourself, that doesn't look very masculine to me. That's not very macho. Well, get over yourself. Humble yourself wear the clothes that God would have you wear. This is so counter-cultural. But this is the gospel. And mom and dad, if we're living this out in front of our children... They're gonna get it. That's going to speak volumes to their hearts of how they need to treat their spouse. So I just want to encourage you. Husbands need to go home. You need to ask your wife. How can I be more loving and less harsh? And wives, you need to ask your husband, how can I be more respectful? And see what God will do in your marriage relationship. Let's pray. Father, this wasn't an easy message. And we have, we have as men and women and as a church, we have so far to go in valuing each other and honoring each other. And to know that as God, as you see man and woman, you see us as equals. We have all been created in the image of God. And oftentimes, Father, we don't take time to stop and reflect on that. And it affects how we treat one another. God, I pray for marriages in this room. There may be some women in this, this place this morning who are being abused, whether it be physically or emotionally or spiritually. God, I pray. I pray that they know that they don't have to put up with that. Father, they are to submit to their husband As to the Lord. And if they're in a vulnerable situation, God, I pray that they would find the courage to speak out and find the help that they need. God, I pray for, I pray for us as men. God, that we wouldn't abuse our position of authority. That we would be like you, Jesus, who would love sacrificially, who would give, lay down our very lives for our, our wife, our families, our home life, our homes. God, I pray that you would, that we would allow the gospel, the gospel of Christ, to impact our hearts and our lives so that we could experience, God, the blessings that you intend for a marriage relationship. Thank you, Father, for your truth. Use it in lives, hearts here this morning, in marriages, in homes, and in our church. And God, we pray for our convention. Our our convention is coming up in two weeks. God, we pray that you would expose the darkness. That God, that we would choose to be obedient and do what's necessary for righteousness to reign. That God that you would keep us together as a convention. Be glorified, Jesus, in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.